Well, thank you, worship team. Man, we sure appreciate these guys. Uh, they came in on Saturday night to record, so they didn't have to be here in the brutal cold. So we sure appreciate them. Well, guys, I am so excited. Last week, Pastor Kenny finished up our uh, New Year series called The War of Doubt, where we talked about what to do with doubt. You know, we just came out of a really, really tough year, and a lot of people are just struggling with doubt. So this was just a great series for that. And so today, we're starting a new series to help us in the next phase. So we talked about what to do with doubt. Today, in the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how to win the day. Now, this is a series by one of our Assemblies of God pastors. Um, it's from a book that he wrote called Win the Day. Uh, his name is Mark Batterson. He pastors in Washington, D.C., just right down the road from the Capitol. And he wrote this book, and he gave all the AG pastors permission to use this because he's so excited about the material in this book. So if you're interested, we did buy some copies of the book. You can order it online. You can get an ebook. Uh, we did order some hardback versions. So if you want to follow along with us after today's message, you can buy them from the churches at cost. They're $17. Um, but this is a book about how to win each day, how to accomplish what God has for us. You know, we talked about in this doubt series what to do when we struggle, when we're going through a hard time. What we're going to do now is talk about how to move forward in our lives and accomplish everything that God has for us. I am so excited about this. So we're going to talk about seven different habits uh, that will help us move forward and help us have great spiritual discipline. So, so how do we do that? How do we win days? Well, I love this quote. Uh, on April 20th, 1913, a man named Sir William Osler delivered a speech at Yale University, and he said this. He said that to win the day, we have to live in day-tight compartments. What does that mean? It means each day has to be lived on its own. Each day, we have to do our best as we move forward. Day-tight compartments. I like that. And there's a study done that uh, Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert, they said the average person spends 46.9% of their day thinking about something other than what they're actually doing. So half the day, we're thinking about something that we're not doing. That means we're only half present, right? So if you're at work, you're thinking about dinner. If you're eating, you're thinking about doing the dishes after. If you're spending time with your family, most of the time you're thinking about work. And so as we're living our lives, we're not really present in the moment. And if we want to do everything that God has for us, we have to be willing to be in the moment. We have to be present where we're at. So that's what we're going to talk about these next couple of weeks. And this is a great idea, but this is really, guys, this is a God idea. Like, what? What are you talking about? Well, what did Jesus say? In the, in the Lord's Prayer, what did he say? Give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need for today. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. It's got enough cares of its own. He says in uh, the Psalms, it says, his mercies are new every morning. Another Psalm says, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Paul tells us when we're married not to go to bed while we're angry. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still mad. So this is something all throughout Scripture that we see that God tells us we have to be present where we are. We have to focus on that day. And yeah, we need to think about the future. Yeah, we need to do that. But what we're going to talk about is some ways that we can live each day doing what God has for us that day, not thinking about the future or thinking about the past. And when we win day after day, we become more like Jesus. In the book, Mark says this, Almost anyone can accomplish almost anything, if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. 
Almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. So those are some of the things we're going to look at. How do we, what are some disciplines we can put into our lives to be successful, spiritually successful? And when we do things, you know, like when we make a New Year's resolution, three quarters of them are out the window the first month because we're thinking about a year at a time. I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to eat better this year. I'm going to fight with my spouse less this year. I'm going to do this for a year. But what if we just said, you know what, what can I do for a day at a time? What can I do one day at a time? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the gym this morning. Tomorrow, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the gym. The next day, I'm going to get up. When we start doing that, that's called a winning streak. That's how we build habits. Let's think about it this way. You said, this year, I want to get closer to Jesus. Well, what do we do? We get up, we read the Bible that morning. We spend some time in prayer that morning. The next day, we get up and we do it again. The next day, before we know it, we're more like Jesus than we were before, right? So this is a God idea. So, so what we're going to do is talk about today how to flip the script. What does that mean? Today, we want to look at how we change our story every day. Now, guys, some of you are here and you say, you know, Pastor, well, you're at home, you're not here. Pastor, I don't like the story that I've been writing with my life. I don't like the way my marriage is going. I don't like the way my kids are acting. I don't like the way that my finances are going. I don't like what's been going on in my family. I don't, want, I don't like what's going on in my life. Well, guys, we can change that. We can change that through Christ. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that he's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. So we can do this. So that's what we're going to talk about these next couple weeks. And today we're going to talk about how to change our story. You know, the studies say that an average of 60,000 thoughts go through our heads a day. 60,000 thoughts go through our brains. And the Cleveland Clinic says about 80% of those are negative. We've got to change the way we think. If we want to change our story, we have to change the way that we think. If we want to change our life, we have to change our story. And in Genesis chapter 50, we're going to go there in just a minute, we see a story of a man named Joseph. He was a young guy and 12 brothers, and he was the next to youngest in his family. And God gave Joseph a dream, a dream where he was in charge and his family was bowing down to him. So being an immature young man, he told his brothers, and that didn't sit very well with his brothers. Oh, the runt is going to be the king, right? And so they sold him into slavery, and then when he was in slavery, he was doing the right thing, and he got accused of doing something that he didn't do, and he got sent to prison, and then he was in prison, he did the right thing, and he got forgotten about, and then he became the second in charge in Egypt. And then he, his brothers came to buy food because they were out of food. It's a long story. You can read it in Genesis. But at the end of the story, he reveals himself to his brothers, tells them, hey, I'm Joseph. And they thought, oh man, we're dead, right? He played a little mind game with them. And look at what Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It had been, a lot of scholars say it had been 13 years from the time Joseph had his dream until he became second in command in Egypt. And his brothers and his father all came and bowed down before him. And then his dad died. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, he says this. His brothers are worried about revenge. He says, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? And then he says this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. Joseph changed his story. 
He was a slave, and he became the second in command in Egypt. And this is not a feel-good, uh, you know, empower yourself kind of message. This is talking about changing the way we look at our lives and changing the way we think about what God is doing in our lives. So how do we change our story? If we want to change our lives, we have to change our story. And we have to change our thinking. So the first thing we need to do is we have to know our name. And you're thinking, well, I've already got that. I know my name. And so we have to be willing to know who we are in Christ. So we have to understand where our identity comes from. If we want to change our story, if we want to change who we are in Christ, we have to change and we have to understand where our identity comes from. Charles Horton Cooley, who is the founder of the American Sociological Association, says, I'm not what I think I am, and I'm not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. I know that sounds like Dr. Seuss, right? But he says basically that many of us live our lives based on what other people think of us. Too many of us spend our lives trying to be someone that we're not, trying to live up to some expectation that someone else has, right? A lot of us, he called it the looking glass self, but it's basing our self-worth on what other people see in us. And, you know, this can be a good thing. This can be someone said, hey, you're really good at basketball. So we start thinking, yeah, I am really good. Maybe that's who I am. They might say, hey, you're a really good worker. You're a great employee. You're a great manager. You're a great boss. And we start building our identity around that. And for some of us, this could be bad. Maybe someone told you that you're worthless. Maybe someone told you that you're never going to be good enough. Maybe someone told you that you're totally unlovable. Nobody's ever going to love you. Maybe someone told you that you're never going to be good enough. We start believing that. And we start building our identity around that. And guys, that's not who you are because you were created by Jesus with a purpose. You may even say, I don't really believe in all this Jesus stuff. I'm just watching this because my parents made me. Or somebody sent me this link and wanted me to watch this because they think I might get something out of it. Even if we don't believe in him, he created each and every one of us with a purpose. He created each and every one of us with an identity. It's who we are in him. And a lot of us are living our lives and basing our lives on what people think of us instead of who we are in Jesus. It's living according to other people's expectations. So we have to understand where our identity comes from, and then we have to remember our name. If you get anything out of this message today, I really hope you get this. An amazing thing happened when Joseph's brothers came to him in Egypt. They thought he was just an Egyptian official. Because when Pharaoh made Joseph the second in command in Egypt, he gave him an Egyptian name. That's what they did. Because they wanted to change who you were. They wanted to change your identity. They gave him Egyptian names that went with, you know, their culture and their gods. They tried to change him. And they didn't understand who Joseph was. They had no idea. And when he came to him, he, he kicked all the servants out of the room and he said, Hey, I am Joseph. I'm your brother. Even through all this, even through all these trials and all these things, Joseph remembered who he was. Joseph remembered God's plan for his life. He remembered that. And so, guys, some of us have had things happen to us that hurt us. Some of us have had things said about us that hurt us. You have to remember who you are. We have to remember who we are in Christ. And so it's so easy to forget that. It's so easy to forget who we belong to. You know, we start identifying ourselves by what other people say. Oh, you're a great athlete. You're a funny person. You're a great business person. And we forget that we were made and we were called Jesus calls us. In Ephesians chapter 1, there's a lot of different verses. Amy's going to put that up there on the screen for you. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about who we are in Christ. He says that we were adopted. He says that we are loved, that we're redeemed. 
He says that we're faultless in him. He says that we're, we have a deposit in us. So Ephesians chapter 1, it says in verse, uh, move down to verse 13. You Gentiles have also heard the word of truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And that he's purchased us to be his own people. He believes in us. He purchases us. And you move down, it says that um, he's far above any rulers and authorities, and he's put all things under the authority of Christ. And he has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. So guys, God says that you were called, that you were loved, that he bought you with the price. He bought each and every one of us, so he has a plan for us. So guys, it doesn't matter what the other teenagers say about you. It doesn't matter what the other people at work say about you. It doesn't even matter what your parents say about you. If they say things that are negative and hurtful, it matters what Jesus says about you, and he says that you're his, that he purchased you with the price, that he gives you an inheritance, guys, so we can't forget who we are. We're redeemed. And so we have to realize our worth. Our worth doesn't come from what people say about us. Our worth doesn't come from our job title. Our worth doesn't come from how much money is in our bank account or how little is in our bank account. It doesn't matter any of those things. It doesn't matter how good we are at sports. It matters whose we are. It matters whose we are. That's where our worth comes from. It can't come from our culture. And guys, our culture right now, we live in what people are calling a cancel culture. They want to get rid of anything that makes us different, anything that makes us unique. And guys, the world is going to tell you, you can't be a Christian athlete. It doesn't work. You can't be a Christian at your job, it doesn't work. You can't do this or that, but Jesus says that you can, that you're his, that you belong to him. So we have to remember our name, and we have to fix our focus. What do you mean fix your focus? Well, here's the thing, guys. What we focus on becomes our reality. What? No, I'm not getting new age on you, I promise. Think about this. How many of you have ever tried to get in shape before? You've ever gone to the gym and said, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get to where I can run two laps around the track without dragging. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run two laps without passing out on the treadmill. You know, I'm going to run whatever. And if we start thinking about excuses, guess what? We're going to find an excuse. Ah, it's too dark outside. Can't go to the gym today. It might rain. You know, I don't want to go out in that. Oh, my back hurts. My legs hurt. We can always find an excuse, can't we? We can always do that. If we're looking for it, we can find it. If we're looking for things to criticize, guess what? We're going to find it. If you go to work in a bad mood and you're looking for something to be upset about, guess what? You can find it. Our culture today is full of people who are outraged about everything, right? Everything people get mad about because they're looking for things. But on the other hand, if you go in and you're in a great mood, you're going to find things that are good. You're going to find things that are positive. Whatever we look at, whatever we focus on becomes our reality. If I'm looking for something in my kids to criticize, guess what? I'm going to find them. If I'm looking for something in my spouse to criticize, I can find it. But if I look for something good, I can find that. So we need to focus on what's good. And listen to what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So in this negative culture we live in, we have to be willing to look for things that are good. We have to be willing to look for things that are positive and uplifting. 
we have to look for God in the midst of this. So we need to fix our focus. If we want to win the day, if we want to change our story, if we want to change what people say about us, if we want to change what we say about ourselves, we have to find something to focus on. And that thing is Jesus. And so we have to choose, we have to focus on good things and choose the story that we believe. The Martin Seligman, he's the former president of the APA, the Psychological Association. He said that all of us have an explanatory style. What does that mean? He says that explanations are more important than experiences. So explanatory style is what we use, what we look at to explain how things happen to us. We all know that person who's always the victim, right? No matter what happens, everything happens because people are against them. We also know people who are constantly complaining, and they explain everything bad happens to me, right? But we also know people who say, you know, I'm blessed. God has done great things to me, and they're always telling the story. They're always telling, man, God has been so good to me. He's forgiven me. God has given me a purpose and a hope. God's given me a great family. You know, God's given me a great job. They're looking for things to be positive about to explain how things happen. So we can choose to believe the world is against us, or we can choose to believe that God is for us. And guess what? The Bible tells us that God is for us. Paul says, if God is for me, who can be against me, right? He says, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. That's the story we have to believe. We have to choose to believe what God says about us over what our culture says about us, over what the kids at school say about us over what people at work say about us, over what our spouse says about us sometimes even, right? We have to be willing to look at those things and to see those things, to look in that. That's our explanatory style. Joseph said, hey, you wanted to harm me, but God turned this thing around for good. When his brothers came in, Joseph could have said, you know what, for 13 years I rotted in prison and I was a slave because of you, because you were jealous. But he chose to say, you know what, I believe that God is working all things together for good. I believe you intended to harm me, but God turned it around for good. So he chose to believe what God said, that God was working. God was writing a different story in him and through him. And guys, God wants to write a better story through us. But we have to look for him. We have to fix our focus on him. We have to know whose we are and who we belong to. We have to allow God to write that story through us if we want that, right? So, and we have to find ways to keep Jesus front and center. I have to look for Jesus doing things in my life. I have to look for him doing things in and through me. What are some ways to do that? Keep a gratitude journal. Find things that God is doing in your life and write it down. Journal those things. We tell guys that go to like men's encounter and ladies that go to ladies encounter to keep a journal in their devotions of what God is doing in them and God is doing through them. We keep Jesus front and center right? It helps us keep our focus. It teaches us to look for things that we can be thankful for. You might say, Pastor, I can't even read my own handwriting. Hey, I'm in the same boat. There's like two people in this world that can read my handwriting. My wife and uh, our secretary here at the church, Cindy, they can read it. Nobody else can. People are like, what is this? So you can keep it on your phone. You can keep it on your tablet. You can keep it on your computer. Or you can write in your own handwriting and nobody will ever be able to read it but you, right? So keep a thankful journal. Change your routine. If you want to keep your focus on Jesus, sometimes we have to change up our routine. This is a great time to start reading Bible every day if you haven't. You can download the free YouVersion app. You can find plans that go along with things, and you can read just little portions of Scripture every day, a little devotional thought every day. 
if you do spend time with Jesus every day already, change the translation of the Bible that you read. If you're an NIV person, read the New Living Translation. If you're a New Living Translation person, read the NIV or the Amplified. Find a different translation of Scripture to read, and it's amazing some of the things that will pop out at you. If you haven't started a quiet time, find a quiet place with God and get alone with Him every day for a little bit. Think, do, um, people do social media fasts to change up the routine. They just get off social media for a day or, you know, if you're brave, a week. Uh, some of you might go in withdrawal. You know, you can carry a bar of soap around to simulate a phone if you have to, and you can even poke it, you know, if you need to, to, to get that out of your system. But get in a, like a social media fast. Take some time to just be quiet and allow God to speak. Maybe start reading a book. If you're not a reader, find an audio book. The libraries, you can borrow audio books for free. Find a good Christian book and listen to it. Find a good Christian book and read it. Find a, an author that speaks to you. Each of us have people that we can read that really speak our language. Andy Stanley is one of mine. I love reading Andy Stanley books. They speak to me. Uh, he's one of those I really like to read. So find a good book. Just find some things. Read a leadership book. Read something that uh, challenges you. Find a good biography about a person that you respect and read that. There are lots of ways to change, our, change up our routine so we can put our focus more on Christ and not on the junk going on around us. And then lastly, we need to change our story. We need to change our story. And to change our story, we have to learn our backstory. We have to understand and know our backstory. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, how many of you were, ever, were born? All of us were born, right? None of us just popped into the world. None of us came out of an egg or a seed or whatever. We were born. And since we were born, we were born into a what? A family. Because we were born into a family, we were born into someone else's story. And for some of us, that's a great thing. Some of us have great families that have poured into us. Some of us, maybe we're born into not so great families. And we learn that story. But here's the thing, guys. We can all change our story. And that's what we're talking about today. But to change our story, we have to understand where we came from. There's an incredible survey or study that was done by Emory University. And check this out. It said the number one indicator of a child's emotional well-being, the number one thing that showed how well a child adjusts and how healthy a child is emotionally was knowing their family story. It wasn't how many hugs they got a day. It wasn't how many great toys they got. It wasn't how many phones they had or how many video games they had or how long they had to do things. It was knowing their story. Knowing their story made them more emotionally healthy. Knowing where they came from. And it's important for all of us to know where we came from. But here's the biggest thing, guys. Each and every one of us was born into a family. But when we start a relationship with Christ, we're all born into his family. And we have to know that story. We have to know our testimony. We have to know what God has done in us. And when we understand that, we can change our story going forward. And when we give our lives to Christ, guys, when you start a relationship with Jesus, we give our life over to him, and we give him editorial control of our lives. We say, Jesus, you can write my story going forward. And guys, some of you, when you gave your hearts to Christ, you changed your family history forever. Maybe you came from a family of abuse or neglect or negativity, and you changed your family tree going forward. Your kids now have a shot at being healthy. You changed that story. Some of you came from great families, and you're passing on those great traditions down to your kids. You're, you're handing down that godly legacy to your children. But each and every one of us have the opportunity to change our story starting today. When we give our life over to Jesus, and we know our backstory, and we give it to Him, 
moving forward, we can change our story. We can change what goes on in our lives. So we have to know the backstory. Then we have to choose our story. Jesus said in, in the book of John that he calls us friends. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I call you friend. Each and every one of you listening to my voice have a chance to be friends with the God of the universe. That is an amazing thing. All we have to do is ask him to forgive our sins and start it. And then, guys, once you're a Christian, now you have the chance to give your life to him, and he can change our story going forward. So some of you watching, you've been a Christian your entire life. Maybe that's all of 15 years. Maybe that's 60 or 70 years. But each of us have the opportunity to change our story going forward, whether you came to Christ early or late, because God is never done with us. You may be saying, well, I don't know what to do now. I'm retired. God can make you a prayer warrior. God can make you someone who pours into lives of students and kids, young adults, young marriage. You can be a mentor for a young married couple. You can, you can be that, uh, that reprieve for a family with a young kid. You can come over and watch their kids for an hour so they can take a nap. You know, whatever it is that God is telling you. But each and every one of us have an opportunity to change our story going forward. So you may be saying today, Pastor, I don't like the story that's been written with my life. I want to change it. Today's the day. We can change it by knowing who we are in Christ, by knowing our name, knowing who we are, knowing that we were created with a purpose, that we're loved, that we're called, that we're redeemed, that we're, we have an inheritance with Christ. We have to know our story and, and choose the right story moving forward. We have to give him control of that. So we have to fix our focus on him and we have to choose our story going forward. So we all have that opportunity to know who we are, to know who we belong to, and to choose our story going forward. So I'm going to pray this morning. And guys, if you're here and you say you're watching and you say, you know, I've never given Christ control of my life, but I want to do that. I want to change my story going forward. I'll ask you to pray this prayer with me. And this is just you simply giving control of your life to Christ and accepting the forgiveness that he offers. And then we're going to take a moment and pray. And you say, you know, I want to change my story. I need to remember who I belong to. I need to remember who, who I am in Christ. I, I've gotten lost in relationships and in uh, what people say about me. And I just want to get back to knowing who I am in Christ. They may say, you know what, I want to change my story going forward. And I want to give Christ every part of my life. And I want to focus on him. Instead of focusing on all the stuff around here, we're going to pray about that too. So if you say, you know what, I want to give control of my life to Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you've called me yours. And you came to this earth to die on the cross for my sins. So I admit, I confess that I made mistakes, I messed up, and I ask you to come and forgive every one of my sins. Please make me new. Help me to live for you and trust in you every single day. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to pray now. So Father, I pray for all these watching at home. Maybe some are at work, some are driving. But Father, I pray for all these, and I pray that we would know who we are in you, that we would know our name, know that we're loved and that we're called and we're redeemed and we're forgiven, and we have life in you. And Lord, I pray that we would fix our focus on you and, and really give our lives to you and focus on you and who you are and what you're doing. And God, I pray that we would choose a story going forward filled with you, that we would give control of our lives to you, and you help us to change our lives going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, thanks for watching today. Uh, if you want to give to the church, you can do that. You can do that online at lexag.org slash donate. Uh, you can mail things into the office here. You can give through our app.
our church app. You can do that. I appreciate your, your faithfulness. Uh, we're supposed to be getting our new sound system starting Monday. And so next week, our live stream should sound way, way better. Uh, so we're excited about that. Thank you for your faithfulness in that. Also, if you wanted to give to the Rivas family who lost their home in a fire this week, you can give in that and just donate or notate that on there if you want to give towards that. Uh, people have been, money has been pouring in to help that family. We so appreciate that. Guys, thanks for being with us, and we will see you next week.